Hi, I'm Steven, the host of Let's Go There. And I created this podcast because many of today's most critical issues are so filled with tension and polarization that most of us avoid them altogether. The result is that we miss out on opportunities for meaningful connection and progress, while the world's most pressing conversations are being carried by those least effectively having them. On this podcast, we take on tough conversations from a Christian perspective with nuance and respect so we can learn well, love well, and leave better. Because when we talk about tough issues with humility, we grow together. All right, welcome back to Let's Go There, and we're going to call this season two of Let's Go There uh, for a couple of reasons. I'm going to be honest, it's not because I planned it this way, but I'm calling it season two because, one, it's been a couple months since I've posted any episodes, and two, there's been a change, a shift in the podcasting world when it comes to this podcast in particular, and that is that um, I'm now going to have a couple of regular guests, Jordy and Nick, and um, they're going to be on on a regular basis. Maybe not every single episode, if there's occasionally times when I want to interview someone else or, or, or just get tired of these guys, but... Um, they will be regular guests, so you guys will be getting used to the new sounds of Let's Go There, and it sounds a lot prettier. Isn't that right, Nick? That is a very factual statement. So very excited to have Nick Budig here with me, as well as Jordy Hutton. And uh, because of the pandemic, as we're recording this, we rented out a gym. Um, we are measured out. We're 120 feet away from one another. <laughs> And we're all decked out in full paintballing gear. Isn't that right, Nick? <laughs> yep. I uh, can barely see you through my mask and through the 120 feet distance. I, I would like to point out just for the listeners, as you can't see us at all, um, Stephen did say the right names, but he was looking at the wrong person <laughs> yeah. as he was introducing us. So I was, I pay was... close attention because yep. it, might, it might get weird. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm super excited for today's topic to kick off season two. You like that segue? <laughs> that, was, that was perfect. That was clean, clean transition. We're gonna be we're gonna talk today about QAnon, um, and oh, I guess Nick thought it was a Zoom thing. He's not wearing any pants. Nope, I uh, came here unprepared. <laughs> That's all right. Let's just get into this. So <laughs> we're talking today about QAnon. Yeah. So um, to kick off season two, we're going to start, we're going to talk about QAnon. And just to put it in context, in case you're listening to this later, um, we're, we're about one week removed from the riots at the Capitol where there's, uh, you know, obviously a, a good number of people who broke into the Capitol and um, there was a few, few instances of some violence and some death resulting from that and obviously tragic. And I think that kind of brought Q and non um, to the front of mind for me and also probably uh, for a lot of people or just thought, realized what it was for the first time for a lot of people because there were some um, probably, I mean, probably fair to say a lot of people there were associated with Q and on, but definitely not everyone. And a lot of people were, were there for other reasons or kind of parts of other groups. But um it's it's it feels like a good time to be having a healthy Christian conversation about this because I'm not sure um, how much of that is out there. So first to get us kicked off, um, and then I'll cue cue these guys up. But I'm just gonna give a quick 
Um, oh, <laughs> I just said Q on the podcast. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Intervention time. Title track. Sit down. I'm going to explain really briefly here just what QAnon is to get us started. And then uh, in case anybody who's listening isn't really familiar with it, and I think there's probably a lot of people who are like, okay, I know QAnon is a conspiracy theory. I think it's right wing, and that's about all I know. Um, and that may be enough, but um, this is kind of a 10-second version. We'll see. Are you going to record, Jordy? Record the yeah, timing? Yeah, I'm timing it. Okay. Uh, of what QAnon is. QAnon is basically, it's it's a very loosely formed, please don't time me because I have no idea how long this is going to take. I'm not actually timing it. <laughs> Uh, QAnon is is not necessarily like an organization or anything. It's more like a, a set of ideas or kind of like a, a movement. But it's based on posts and knowledge from this anonymous insider, supposed government military insider named Q. Um, and there's kind of a lot of different factions and, and, and sects of it. But the general idea the general tenets that are more or less shared by it is like there's a secret organization a secret cabal of satanist pedophiles across the world um including you know in high ranks of u.s government usually democrats um business across the world etc it and they are secretly basically manipulating and running the world for their own purposes and to maintain and increase their own power. Um, and so, and, and it's, and the part of the reason we're talking about it today is that there has been some traction or, or some attention given to the fact that there's a lot of um, Christians or at least, you know, Christians in name, but in many cases, Christians in practice too, who've gotten sucked into this. Um, and so I just want to pose a question to you guys. Just like what you guys, what's your guys' reaction to this? What's your take on this? Like how, um, you know, how do you think we got here? I'll, I'm happy to kick it off. Um, I I think I it it's it's so hard to to put an exact moment on it or put an exact like an exact person or an exact belief, and obviously probably everybody listening to this will say, well, the exact person is Donald Trump. Um, but I think that a lot of what, what QAnon has been, um, or Q, I guess I should say, what, what Q has been posting and sharing, it's so much of it is um, not, it's so unspecific. So it's easy to like, well, he said, um, you know, the, the example that I heard when I was doing some research this week was, um, you know, look at the water. Like that was his warning, like watch the water. Well, what does that mean? And then you can look at all kinds of things that have been happening around our country and around the world that like, of course, like he warned us to watch the water and like, look what happened at the shore. Like look what happened and overseas, but like so much of it is unspecific that it's easy to like, once you follow or believe the first one, it's easy to get the second one and then the third one and you're just so far down the line that sometimes you don't even realize what it is that you're actually believing anymore. <clears throat> yeah. Before I, like, we really started looking into this um, and the first time I heard of QAnon, 
I I figured it was just like a like an online millennial thing, you know, just like trolls on the internet doing all a bunch of stuff or like anonymous stuff. Um, and then to see it and hear about like kind of middle-aged moms kind of getting into yeah. it. And it kind of turned into like realizing like this is bigger than just some trolls on Reddit or Twitter. Yeah. It's is kind of turning into kind of like a, a scary, I think uh, say Mark Sayers kind of put it as, as an internet religion as mm-hmm. turning into um, and kind of, it just kind of snowballed like Jordy brought up. It was kind of like the person kind of believed one thing. And then over time, they created this 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 echo chamber of it where it's this is constantly the right thing. These are the people that I need to connect with. And their group got so big and their group's voice got so loud that it just all of a sudden erupted. And it seems like here we are at that point, at that moment. Yeah. And I, I think I think something that I, I found really interesting um, that there's so many things that are tied to QAnon that you maybe maybe someone listening to this um would say like i don't support anything that qanon is about but a lot of the things that we see shared on social media or we hear people talking about at work or whatever by the water cooler i guess that's not happening with covid Mm -hmm. but a lot of the things that we're hearing right now um have ties to qanon so um a couple of the things that i've that i found and and steven already mentioned um you know the like the clintons are kind of the the face of this but the clintons and the to the democratic party in general are demon possessed or satanic um the pedophiles that you mentioned um you also maybe have heard people say that democrats are responsible for isis that's tied to QAnon. you might hear people say that the democrats created and released covid that's tied to QAnon. um if you've ever heard someone referred to as a sheep or a sheeple like <laughs> just following whatever we're told to do that mm-hmm. is has ties to QAnon. the same with deep state the same with um and this i see all the time the the hashtag save our children right that's that's all tied to QAnon. so whether and that's kind of what i was talking about with the the snowball like if you believe one of those things it's easier to believe the next one right and and uh <laughs> I think that, like, what you're touching on there is, like, it is it is kind of, like, it's a vague compilation of conspiracies. And, right. um, and a lot of them, they, it has a lot of crossover with other conspiracy theories, right? You know, and so um, you, not all of this originated with Q, who, by the way, like, posted that originally in 2017. But a lot of these ideas predated that. Like, they were already kind of floating around there. Um and I think that, that that's one of the things that's, that's, that's really interesting about QAnon that I think kind of speaks to something that's unique maybe in this, I mean, I would say unique in this moment, but I don't think it's unique in the sense that it's a one-time thing. I think it's unique in that it's showing us something new that's happening, but like how, how it's like such a, it's a powerful force but it doesn't have a lot of structure to it, right? Like it's not, it's not, um, you know, it doesn't have a hierarchy. It doesn't have an organization. It doesn't have specific tenets and bylaws. And like, it's a very kind of loosely formed deal. And I think that, um, 
maybe we'll speak to that since since we're going there let's let's talk about kind of the that from a kind of a broader thing and then later on we'll get to like let, let's talk about a more individual level and how do we like how does a single person get into this or that but but i think what's interesting about QAnon as a whole is like mark sayers um who's a a pastor and a cultural critic um in Al- in alabama that's not the right name for that country Australia. Australia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i mean that's kind of a yeah, like South, Australia, bottom Alabama, right corner. Yeah, they've got a lot of map common, the yeah. a lot. I mean, they start with the same letter. But yeah, he's Australian. He's Australian, kind of like cultural critic and pastor, and he and he really thinks about a lot of these things and thinks them through. And um, he kind of brought some patterns to light that um, were very interesting on his podcast, Rebuilders Podcast, about how there's kind of a shift happening or there is a shift happening and the pandemic just accelerated it. Like it was already mm-hmm. undergoing, but pandemic really, really accelerated it as it did with so many things. Like a shift to a networked world, like through globalization, through the internet, through social media, like through all these things, like we're so much more connected to things that are far away. And like, you can be connected instantly to almost anyone. Um, but I, But it's connected through that different form you know it's not connected through personal contact uh you know in the physical sense and how that's kind of created some some meta level changes where like power power structure is like shifting power is shifting a little bit from like institution and like structures more to like movements like these loose networks where like you think of something like black lives matter um you know and how, I mean, I know there is an organization, Black Lives Matter, obviously, and we don't need to get into all the details of, of that today, but like how Black Lives Matter just spread like crazy just immediately, right? Um, and in yes, there's the organization, but apart from the organization, there's a lot of people who know nothing about that organization. They're just a part of the movement, right? And they may even believe and have different thoughts about what, it's, what it symbolizes or what it means, you know, when you say Black Lives Matter, but it just it's the it wasn't an authority figure or an established um, leader or something that made that powerful. It was this network effect. Um, and so that's why I actually think something like what's happening with QAnon um, is really fascinating because it's showing that like there's this new thing that can happen where something can become incredibly powerful without having any like given institutional power. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's definitely, I could see that because of just the, the where, where the world is at, obviously you bring up like the pan- pandemic being kind of like the accelerant of that in 2020, kind of bringing that all up. Um, but just today, everyone having a voice, I know we kind of brought up the the Reddit and Twitter um, situation, but I mean, everyone has a voice today uh, if you're on social media and you can be so loud with that voice and it spreads so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have something like we're just some some belief, some some part of it is believable or some something makes someone passionate about it. People are going to grasp it and someone's going to hold on to it and, and and support it and spread it. And so I think that's that's why we've, we've seen such a, such a big outbreak in it. Um, I mean, we, 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 there's so many different, different 
kind of kind of sections going on right now outside of QAnon. Um, the, like you said, with, with the Black Lives Matter movement, just so many different almost like little branches spreading from it. And it's so many different beliefs, but it, they all come from the same root. Um, and I think that's because of everyone having an opinion. And I, everyone should have an opinion, but social media being the, being the accelerant to the accelerant. Yeah, definitely. I definitely think social media is a massive um, accelerator of all of these things. Like it just, it's the means by which radical ideas and extreme ideas and, and conspiracy theories, like none of that is new, Mm-mm. but there has like definitely been like a, a, a noticeable increase in their influence um, and their spread. And like, they can just spread so rapidly, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like there's not those those barriers that used to exist that would slow something down, like the, the transfer of information mm-hmm. where like something can just come out of nowhere and within months it can be everywhere, which is, which is crazy. So I think that's definitely part of why we're seeing QAnon suddenly be just like, so, you know, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it even goes faster than, than that too. Like you said months, I was expecting you to say like weeks or days even. Yeah. Um, I like, I feel like not to go way off topic here, but when, when the first case of COVID happened in China, I feel like there wasn't that many cases when news of that came over to the United States. And when that started to become a pretty like heavily discussed topic of this new disease that was going around Mm -hmm. and there's maybe 500 cases in China, in yeah. one city in China, you know. So, but by point being, it goes really fast with social media these days. Yeah, yeah. And that might even actually illustrate, like, <clears throat> there is a benefit to it, too. Like, like, that might be a good thing. You know, like, we, like, everybody knew about this threat before they normally would have, mm-hmm, you know. Right. And so there can be a benefit to social media. And I think social media would be a fascinating, fascinating topic for another conversation. Yeah. Um, but so, so I think like I mean that helps us to understand a little bit of like that's part of the method I guess of of how it spread so quickly. Um, maybe let's let's kind of transition to like more on an individual level, just like thinking about how is it that somebody could get caught up in it, right? Because when you you know when you hear somebody who's already deep in it and and the types of things that they're saying, you know, whether it be like, yeah, it's this ring of, of the Satanist ring of, of child traffickers, or whether it be, um, that JFK Jr. didn't really die. He's going to like come back to earth, you know, like all these different like things that they seem pretty crazy when you hear them. Um, but obviously people don't just like wake up one day there. So, so, I mean, what do you guys think is, some of the root behind like how people are getting caught up in this and, and maybe even um, how some Christians are getting caught up in this. I mean, I think it all stems from mistrust um, from, from the government or the, or the, just the big brother watching over you at that, that theory. Uh, Cause if you look at like someone has to have some sort of mistrust of the government to trying to look into these kind of things and right. and Jordy touched on it when we first started but kind of just like there's the whole the fi- whole 5G 
thing was mm-hmm. COVID related and just the government creating all these all these conspiracies um, or not conspiracies, but the government doing all these illegal things of sex trafficking and the and the child pornography. Um, you're not going to look at that and really look into it if you don't have some sort of mistrust for the government. Mm-hmm. And so I think it it it's so easily for someone to get trapped in that and start to start to support their 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 belief of the government is out to get me the government is is this terrible terrible entity that's gonna take away everything that i love everything that i that that i see is 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 mine um and so i just think QAnon was just kind of the 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 feed for that as an opportunity to 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 just continue to support their beliefs um and i think obviously the 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 emails that released from Hillary Clinton right. were just more and more and more for them to look into and just feed off of. Mm-hmm. And so I just, it's, it's the, I think just the root of is, is mistrust or of, of some sort from the government. Yeah. And I think part of, part of the issue too, um, and not to sound like a broken record with the previous discussion of like believing one thing and then going on to the next. But um, I think part of the issue is that like, whatever the thing is that you that you believe or whatever the thing is with QAnon that that you feel like might be true the other side of the narrative of that is that Donald Trump is fighting that Mm -hmm. and I think that's where a lot of the like the riot at the Capitol I think that's where a lot of this has come from like Donald Trump is trying to like take down this ring of human trafficking within the government or Donald Trump is, you know, like trying to like slow down the COVID that isn't actually real. Like whatever the thing is, then Donald Trump kind of becomes like the one way out of this. So then whatever Donald Trump says then becomes like all the savior of, it. of it. Yeah. Like he, yeah, he becomes the savior in the situation and whatever he says goes and it leads mm-hmm. to more bad. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great that's a great point to bring up because that's something that I kind of forgot, like or forgot to bring up or left out when I was explaining briefly what QAnon is, which is that um, Trump is kind of like almost the like messiah figure of QAnon, where like I mean, there's this idea in QAnon of a, there's going to be a storm, there's going to be a day coming, like a reckoning, where all of this is going to be brought to justice. Um, and Donald Trump is going to be the one who brings that storm. Um, and Donald Trump is, yeah, he's been fighting against this and, and, and there's going to be a point that, that Q has dropped a lot of hints about, like, there's coming a day where all this is going to come to a conclusion and Trump is going to finally bring all these people to justice, you know, whether that means going to prison or whether that means they're going to, you know, like they're going to be killed or something like that. Um, well, and a, and a lot of people believe that that's going to happen this week mm-hmm. before Joe Biden takes over. Right. And I think that's causing a lot of fear for some people. It's causing a lot of excitement for some people that are really into this too. <laughs> yeah. But the, so there's just a divide all across the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that, that, that you're right. It's, it's coming to a, it's coming to a culmination this week because, and, and should be said also, a lot of what we're talking about could apply to things that are, you know, they're not really QAnon, but they're other right-wing kind yeah. of conspiracy theories. Yeah. Um, 
because there is like that, like what happened at the Capitol last week. And what's interesting is, you know, we're recording this on January 14th, 2021. Who knows what could happen in the next week? Like right. mm-hmm. it could be, it could turn out to be nothing really a big deal, or it could be, I mean, it could be massive political violence like we've never seen um, because there's lots of, you know, there's talk about the F- FBI memo that went out that said there's right-wing groups targeting all 50 state capitals and the U.S. Capitol. I mean, they, there's 10,000 National Guard members that were called in to be a part of the inauguration ceremony. And if you think about it, it kind of makes sense, right? Like, if if this is what you believe, if this is what you believe is true, then like this is this is the moment to act, right? Because like, like to me, I think I think one thing is like I think if you're asking yourself, how could somebody do that? How could somebody do what happened at the Capitol? Um, how could somebody engage? You know, how could somebody show up at the pizza shop with it with an assault rifle like happened with PizzaGate? Yeah, I think you maybe are asking. I think maybe that's the wrong question to be asking. Because if the person believes what they do, like that's the natural course of action, right? Like right. if you genuinely believe that the world is being covertly controlled by this ring mm-hmm. of like awful, evil, like Satanism and they're, they're trafficking kids for their own benefit. And like, like, if that's what you believe and you believe that, you know, this cabal helped the, the Democrats steal the election, right? From Donald Trump so that they could remain in power and like now this moment of reckoning like this our savior figure donald trump like this is under threat and it's under threat unjustly like they stole the election from us so like we are the the patriots right Mm -hmm. we are the only people who actually know what's going on and if we don't do something about it nobody will Right. So if you if you put yourself in their head and you recognize that they actually believe, you know, these things, then the actions that they're taking make perfect sense how they see them as as heroic and as the necessary end, you know, uh, the necessary end of the necessary result of what they believe is like we have to do something about this now before it's too late. And, you know, Trump's out. The Democrats are back in control. Right. Mm hmm. And. I know we're, we'll jump into it a little bit later, um, but it's it's a scary thought of, of how much this is kind of lines up with with a lot of the Christian belief of obviously we talk about Trump being the savior. Obviously, we know that lines up, but then the whole this is the week of reckoning. There's a storm coming. Obviously, we can say that lines up with the rapture. Right. And right. so people are acting. And obviously, we've seen in 2020, there's so many people that thought this is it. This is the year. Mm-hmm. Everything's yeah. going on. Locusts are eat. Ducks are eating locusts over Asia. We have a huge <laughs> pandemic going on. But so everyone was freaking out about that. And 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 Jordy and I, shameless plug here, talked about it on our podcast <laughs> about how the Bible specifically talks about we don't know the time and day of when Jesus will return. Right. Um, but obviously, people were freaking out, thinking this was it. So it's it's kind of scary to think that how how closely this lines up and and you can kind of see a correlation between people that believed the rapture happening this year and people that are kind of on this QAnon side of conspiracies and kind of this misbelief of what's really going on yeah there's a lot of really religious 
like overtones to it. Um, I mean, I think in in a lot of ways. I mean, it's it's definitely like it's very cult like. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was kind of interesting. Like, uh, I think it was the maybe it was the World Magazine story where they they were talking to like the cult experts, mm-hmm. a cult mm-hmm. expert who was saying that he wouldn't really classify it as a cult because uh, it doesn't have the normal like authoritarian hierarchical structure that's associated with a cult, but otherwise it has all the factors of a cult. But when you pair that concept with that concept from Mark Sayers about kind of where we're heading with the, with the networked world, I feel like it's kind of like a neo cult. Like this is like what the new cult looks like, you know, then yeah. I mean, sure the old cult will still happen, but like, this is like a new cult is one that wasn't, you know, it didn't, wasn't fostered from escaping physically from society to go spend time together in an isolated place and only hear each other talk. Like we now have the ability to do that anytime we want. Like you don't have to meet somebody by chance on the street and like what they're saying because of some of the stuff that's going on in your own heart and life that's caused you to like be disenfranchised or mistrust those around you and then Mm -hmm. go off on some compound. Like you can do that in a Facebook group in two minutes. Like, so there's these mini compounds almost like these online compounds, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like you can get yourself in those echo chambers and it doesn't have to have a hierarchy or it doesn't have to have a person in charge necessarily. It it has a a common sense of, of beliefs. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's kind of like a new, like a neo cult. Like it's like, this is now what can happen to replace that role and but it but it's on a much larger scale right because the physical limitations of an import like you think about like the jonestown disaster and like all of that like the don't drink the kool-aid thing no that's jonestown um thank you uh like that was hundreds of people and it was a tragedy but it's not unfathomable to think about that happening on, on a much larger scale now because of how people can be connected to one another right. at the same time as isolating themselves from everyone else yeah. and essentially like enter a, like a, like a digital compound virtual compound. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, which is, it's a scary thought. And like, I think it's something though that we need to be recognizing and aware of. Cause like one thing that I feel like it's definitely, I mean, Jordy's going to laugh even a little bit because it's, it's a trope that I've specifically said, like, I, I'm just so annoyed with like these cliches and tropes that have just keep, you know, like these phrases that keep coming back to the pandemic, but this concept of like the new normal, um, I think that what there, the truth that there is behind that is like, I do think that there's things happening right now that are a sign of genuine shifts in culture and in the world that we're not going to be doing ourselves any favors and we're going to be setting ourselves up one for disappointment and two for ineffectiveness. If we assume our something that's happening in a crazy year, and then it's going to go back to the way it was. Like we have to recognize that there are some things happening that are actually signs of, of like actual shifts that are happening. And that means that we need to recognize that and be, be ready to meet that in whatever way in in whatever way that means for us to be a part of the solution or to reach people, you know, and to do what you're called to do. Like we Mm -hmm. need to know the context that we're living in. And and if we can look ahead and kind of see where we might be heading, I think that that benefits us. 
Yeah, I th- in, in going off, obviously going off your your favorite new normal thing, um, <laughs> I think there's there's there should be more. I think more of a fear of trying to force things back into the way they were, because mm. there, like like you said, there's gonna be residual effects. There's still gonna be stuff that that lingers throughout throughout probably the decade and extended time. So I think that that trying to force ways to what they were, I mean, it brings up the whole whole history will repeat itself if we don't learn from it. And so this is a time where we can kind of learn from it. We know what's going on, but we, we're going to have to adapt. We're going to have to continue to move forward uh, uh, with with QAnon, with, with, with the pandemic, with with the civil social unrest that's been going on there. I mean, there's so much stuff that happened in 2020 that we can point to, but, but trying to just re put everything back in the box, everything just shattered. Now we're just trying to put everything back in the box. It's not going to, it's obviously not going to work. And I think it's, it would, it, it has potential to cause more harm than, than good at all. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that's definitely a danger we need to be aware of. Um, yeah, and just and just being like just not understanding the current moment. We're not gonna be effective in how we're responding to it. And mm-hmm. so but it is scary, like it is disorienting. Like this whole year has been so disorienting for so many people, obviously, but like we're living in a in a different world than what we grew up with. Like I heard an interesting kind of concept again from Mark Sayers, but on a different um uh, well, actually, I guess it was a different episode of his podcast, but he was talking about how we grew up in the West. We grew up in um, what one one kind of thinker, I can't remember who he quoted, but I'll have to look it up, but he calls it a post-materialist culture. And the way he's using that term materialist is meaning like, um, like he, des- he describes a materialist culture as being like, uh, a materialist culture is one where you still have to think a lot about your survival. Like basic needs are not, like you think a lot about food and safety. Like safety is a big one. Like you think a lot about your own safety and the safety of your people, like mm-hmm. your family, your tribe, like safety and, and just survival matters. But then like when you get to a post-materialist culture, like a lot of the West is, um, you know, safety is just assumed. Survival is just assumed. There's such a there's such a structure behind the scenes that just it's just happening that we don't even think about it, and we then can step into, okay, my individual expression. Okay, what's my life look like? What am I doing with my life? Um, and we don't have to think about that. And so we all grew up with those shaped by that right? Like we all grew up with those assumptions. We all grew up in a post-materialist culture and with post-materialist values, values that are based less on, hey, what do we need to think about just to get by and more on what do we need to think about or what do we want to think about because we have those those structures in place. And now those are that's kind of being shaken. Like we're suddenly in a place where safety isn't assumed. Like there's a pandemic, there's political violence like crazy. The government doesn't seem as stable as it once did. Like but we still were shaped with those post-materialist values. And so we're living in a unstable moment, unstable moment, but we weren't, we didn't grow up like learning how to deal. A lot of, many of us didn't grow up learning how to deal with like constantly living in an unstable environment. Mm-hmm. 
I was I checked out for a little bit. I was ripping through my Bible trying to find the story that I was looking for. So it's we're we're going back just a little bit. <laughs> That's <laughs> um, all right. Take not us com- back, Jordy. Not completely off context, but uh, I I also thought of a story with it. You classic pastor illustration, <laughs> right? Um, and I, I I don't remember if it was you or if it was our friend Jordan, um, but we were helping our friend Ricky Fear move. And one of his friends came to help move who like hadn't seen someone else there since elementary school. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they hadn't seen each other since elementary school. I don't. Okay. Well, you'll pick up on Sorry. it here. And the last time that, that this guy saw him in elementary school, they were playing soccer at recess. Oh, yeah. And he rolled his ankle. Yep. That was the last time he saw him. Now, fast forward 20 years to helping our friend move, this guy introduces, hey, this is our friend. It must have been Jordan. Sure. Said, hey, this is our friend Jordan. And this guy goes, oh, how's your ankle? Because <laughs> he hadn't seen, that was the last thing that he knew <laughs> right, about just him, right? popped in my head. This yeah. is this person. This is, his ankle. His, his ankle is hurting. Ago. His ankle sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so it, that was the story that came up with this, but um, hard transition. <laughs> What it that that story it reminded me of that story when I thought of Jesus appearing to the disciples again after he resurrected. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yep. <laughs> because the and all I mean all of the gospels tell the story, but in Luke, um, Jesus appears to them and they're frightened and they think it's a spirit, and he has to show his hands to them and show the scars on his hands to say like, "It's me," you know, and had. Jordan and this other guy spent all of their time together over the 20 years, that moment wouldn't have happened, right? Mm-hmm. And you would think that with all of the time that Jesus spent with the disciples, that time also, or that also wouldn't have happened, right? But because after resurrection, Jesus looked so different, they didn't recognize him. Um, and all of that to say <laughs> that I, a really interesting take that I heard on this whole season of COVID and going into like the next stage of our life is if we expect it to go back to what we were in before, like we're kind of being resurrected out of this death, right? Like COVID is kind of coming to an end slowly, like the, the vaccines out, whatever, but going into the next thing, it's going to be unrecognizable. There's going to be good things. There's going to be like pieces of what we loved and pieces of what we really enjoyed are going to be there, but it is going to look different because it's like resurrected, like mm-hmm. the old has died and there's something new coming. Not necessarily bad, not necessarily good, just new. Wow. Yeah. And you could kind of extend that then like to say like how they weren't, like how uh, to extend the analogy like how they didn't recognize jesus because it was still jesus but it was it was the resurrected jesus right mm-hmm. right so like you know i'm sure like like jesus has kind of uh if you look at church history and, and even the scripture and like like god has he takes from things that happen crises you know brokenness he takes it and he he brings something beautiful out of it right yeah. and so like how jesus shows up through the church out of this like the way that jesus is going to show up in the in the new world that we live in 
like we want to make sure that we're looking for it that we recognize it yeah um right, mm-hmm. right? yeah and that also leads into something that something that Nick said made me really frustrated and it wasn't that Nick believed this it just made me <laughs> made Dang me go it. down a rabbit trail that got me really frustrated <sighs> and a rough day with Nick on the pod yeah man not, that not, guy that's not a new normal <laughs> <laughs> that's the old normal good to have some continuity <laughs> um but if if we really think that like and this is specifically to Christians out there listening to this but if you truly believe that we are in the end times right now, our biggest concern should not be that Donald Trump wins the election. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. My goodness, that should be our, like, who cares if Donald yeah. Trump wins this election? Who cares if we don't have, like, it doesn't matter what happens if we're truly in the end times and Christ is coming possibly tomorrow and Christ is coming possibly tomorrow, right? Like, let's just say that too, because we don't know. It could be before we're even done recording this podcast, and it might not even be in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. But as Christians, our biggest concern shouldn't be the election, Mm -hmm. because Democrats or Republicans are not going to fix our country. Christ is going to fix our country. I'm not going to fix our country. This podcast isn't going to fix our country. Christ is going to fix our country. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and if I even dare say it here, preaching, like, if Christ even wants to fix our country, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that assumption is just like that assumption just doesn't necessarily make sense to me. Like, let's let's stop recording right now. That's that's it. (laughs) (laughs) I literally almost did because I super have to pee too, and I thought maybe you actually wanted to take a break, and I was like, this would be the perfect time to take a break. (laughs) You know what? Let's all actually stop recording. Okay. And stop recording. We did. And during our break, we had a conversation and we decided getting into the topic of nationalism and specifically Christian nationalism was going to be too big of a topic to tackle as a part of this episode on QAnon. So we are going to save that for another episode in the future. But we did continue our conversation about QAnon, which is going to be in a part two of this episode because... Uh, Our conversation took us a little further than we were expecting, and and we decided to split it up into two parts. So uh, in part two of this, we'll continue our conversation, and we'll specifically talk about, you know, what what might actually cause somebody to go down the rabbit hole of QAnon, as well as how can we respond to a friend or someone we know who finds themselves there? What how can we approach them, and how do we handle that situation so be sure to follow or subscribe or whatever you need to do to make sure you catch part two of this episode